Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right, fantastic. So, this morning, I want us to dig a little bit more into what it is to live as New Testament believers, hearing God's voice, and having an appreciation for the prophetic ministry. And so if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9. You know, when, when we get a prophetic word, we, we sometimes think like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, this is going to unlock everything, and, um, and everything's going to be absolutely, you know, uh, hunky-dory from here on out. Well, we've also discovered that sometimes when a prophetic word comes, the exact opposite will begin to manifest. And we've spoken about that in previous times, how there's something of a testing that goes into that, something of the Lord speaking to us about what the final result's going to be so that we get the spiritual energy it, The word acts like a tension pulling us through the difficulties so we can get to the other side of the storm. Is it been that many months ago that I said that? Because you guys are looking at me like it's the first time I've said that. Jesus said to the disciples, boys, I'll see you on the other side of the lake. He gave them a word. Guys get in the boat and they start rowing. And then a storm comes up, and they're getting nowhere. But the word was, I'll see you on the other side. When we go through the storm, and we feel like we're going to drown, we're going to sink, the, the word is meant to give us the spiritual energy and tension to pull us through so that we might know we're not going to die in the storm. He said he would see us on the other side. We're going to get through this. And so sometimes the prophetic word is spoken before the storm that we might have confidence we're going to get through. Right? Sometimes the opposite manifests because the enemy doesn't want us to step into the reality of what God has promised for us. So he works against the word of God. Sometimes that's the reason why we're in the situation that is exactly the opposite of what God has said. But hallelujah... He always has the final say. All right. Just need one amen. Thank you very much. All right. So 1 Corinthians 13 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Okay. So what's the point here? What's Paul trying to say? He's saying, listen, when you get a prophetic word, you're just getting a little piece you're not necessarily getting the entire picture. It's like when you build a puzzle and you pick up one piece of the puzzle. You're kind of like, gee, wow, that's amazing. And you look at the detail and the shape and all the rest of it. And from that, you can make all kinds of conclusions. But without having the lid of the puzzle box, the full picture, you won't know exactly how this thing fits in or actually what the, int- what the end result is going to be. Your prophetic word 
We see in part, we prophesy in part. It could just be a part of the whole picture. But if you live your life based on one piece of the puzzle, you could find yourself in a very different direction from what God wanted you to be. I mean, you might even be holding the piece of the puzzle upside down. And so scripture helps us in terms of understanding how we are supposed to be living our lives and navigating through the ways in which the Spirit speaks to us and moves us in a way that He wants us to. And He wants us to live according to New Testament patterns. And not according to Old Covenant, Old Testament patterns. You see, in the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, the prophet, there were few people that were specifically anointed. The Holy Spirit would come upon them in a very special way. And they would speak as though it was the very word of God. And if they got it wrong, they then became a false prophet and you would stone a false prophet. Yep, aren't you glad we're not in the old covenant? Because we wouldn't have anybody signing up for prophetic ministry. It's like, you could get stoned? No, 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 somebody else can do that. I'll just, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You over there, I'll be over here. No, we're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. The old covenant was only a few special individuals. Under the new, we have got the Holy Spirit. We too can hear his voice. And he's given to us the ability to discern what is of the spirit, what is of the devil, what's of ourselves. So we're able to understand what it is that God is saying. But under the old covenant... It was only the few who had the spirit. That's why people could get led astray if the prophet was false. That's why you had to do away with the false prophets. But because they were speaking the very words of God, they could say, obey the word of the prophet and you will succeed. Yeah, you heard that scripture? Good. Guys, Please won't you, some of you, come to the first service next time because they hadn't heard of that scripture. So we've got to help them. I'm just kidding. So it's under an old covenant model. Are you getting this? Under an old covenant model where only a few people had the spirit, the people of God did not have the spirit, did not have discernment. It was under that context, speaking the very words of God, if you obey The very words of God, through the prophet, you will succeed. That's old covenant model. Please, 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 please do not step into the new covenant with an old covenant model and use it to manipulate people to do what you prophesy them to do. So we got people who are abusing the microphone 
and prophesying all kinds of crazy things and saying, you'd better obey the word of the Lord because if you do what I say, then you will succeed. No, 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 no. That's not new covenant understanding because new covenant understanding is we see in part, we prophesy in part. We've only got one piece of the puzzle. It's not the entire picture. Not only that, but if you turn to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29, it says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what he said. So in other words, even when the prophets are speaking, there needs to be a weighing. In other words, a judging, a testing, like does this add up? All right, we're putting it in the scales and we're seeing is this, is this up to scratch? Is this right? If you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the spirit. Oh, come on, don't we just love that? Yeah, as Holy Spirit people, I'll just take one amen, just one amen. Don't you just love it that we as Holy Spirit people don't quench the spirit? I was wondering, was I in the right place for a moment? Like, woof. Okay, yeah, do not quench the spirit, yeah? We need to be careful not to quench the spirit. Come on, that was happening in worship this morning, yeah? We could have said, listen, you know, according to the way we thought the meeting might go, that's called a plan, according to the way we thought the meeting would go, worship would be approximately so long, we'd sing so many songs, that's why they're prepared, and then we'd do this, and we'd get this, and we'd do that. Right? Well, what happened to that plan? That plan got put aside because we did not want to quench the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's here. He's doing something. Let's stick around. Let's do what he wants to do. It's taking longer. It's okay. We're here for him. He's shown up. So let's be with him. It's kind of like, sorry, God. Uh, we got our program. We'll catch up with you afterwards. Can we just finish our program? That would be bizarre. Ne? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't quench the spirit. Yeah, don't put cold water over. Just like, Holy Spirit, you do what you want to do. We're here for you. We're here for a God encounter. When God shows up, let's stay present. Let's engage. Let's not kind of go, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to sit down and clock out now. Go off to the water cooler. Go and get That's not the time. To go and get that kind of water. Stay in and get living water. Verse 20. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Okay? So it's kind of like, wow, okay, the Lord is speaking. We need to put a value on the prophetic and what the Lord's saying. So there's an understanding that the Lord is going to be speaking. This is part of his activity and his current working in the body with his people. So we have value for this. We don't treat it with contempt, but test some of them. What verse are you in? I'm in verse 21. But test some of them. No, 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 you don't understand. I had a world-famous prophet prophesy over me. I don't need to test that. 
Because whatever he says, it must be genuine. Test them all. Wow. How about that? Why? Because even the best of the prophets, like a guy called Agabus, written about in the New Testament, he got a few details wrong. Uh huh. Remember Paul off to Jerusalem? And he got the wrong people, sorry, not Jerusalem, off to Rome. Got the wrong people arresting him and tying him up and all the rest of it. I mean, the general outline was accurate, but a couple of details he got wrong. Even your favorite prophet sees in part, prophesies in part. That's why we need to weigh, judge, and test all prophetic words. The ones you like and the ones you don't like. Thank you. He said it was good. I'm going with his assessment. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So you've heard the, the expression, eat the meat, spit out the bones. If you haven't, now you have. Okay, when there's a prophetic word, take that which is good, the meat, eat it, hold on to it. But the things that are not good for you, the bones going to get stuck in your throat, whatever it is, no, no, spit them out, reject, leave what is not good for you. That's the, that's the point here. In other words, you're trying to figure out this piece of the puzzle, how does this fit with the whole picture? Have I got it right side up? Have I got it in the right place? Am I orientating it correctly? Have I got it up there in the sky when actually it's part of the sea? Because it's blue and I just like assumed. Is it on the left or the right? Is it early on? Is it later on? All these kinds of things. It's one piece of the puzzle. How do I know where it fits in? I'm glad you asked. And you know the word has got great insight for us. Into terms of how we should handle this. Because you know. Because you all went to school and you did your maths. That chapter 14, about weighing, judging, and testing, is after chapter 13, which is we see and prophesy in part, which is after chapter 12. You guys are amazing. <laughs> chapter 12 says the gifts of the Spirit are given and is in the context of the body. You can't all be an eye, can't all be an ear. We need each other. And so there's this interconnectedness in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, which are given for the common good. It's in there, chapter 12. And so the gifts of the Spirit, even prophecy, is not to make you look good. It's to make Him look good. In the context of the family. It's in the context of the body that the gifts are given for the common good. To build us up, strengthen us up. Yay! Oh, I thought it was so that I could be this, you know, amazing man of God. You know? Word of knowledge. I'll impress you. No. No, no. It's not about you. It's about Him. And as we were touching on last time, that we need to be careful 
that we don't misunderstand the use of the prophetic and, and take some worldly approaches to the future and superimpose it onto spiritual gifts. In other words, what some people do, they think, I need a prophetic word. Who am I going to marry? Tall, dark, handsome. What does that sound like? That sounds like going to the psychic at the fair. Going to the fortune teller to tell you some things. That's not prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry is pointing you towards Jesus. And it's helping you in your spiritual growth to grow up to become more like him. Much like in the worship and what Lisa was saying earlier and, and Tim's painting over here that we are like clay in the hands of the potter and he's molding us and he's shaping us and he's making us to become a vessel of honor. And so the prophetic word is to try and you know, steer us towards his plan and purposes for our lives and to shape us in more and more into the image of the dear son that he loves. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And as, we, as we're walking this journey, he gives us words of hope and courage and to, to cause us to be in the right place at the right time to be doing his will. And to discover the things that he's put inside of us, the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And the prophetic can, can help us that we actually live lives that glorify him. And the prophetic helps you to discover who you are in Christ. Yeah? Let's not reduce the prophetic to Christian fortune telling. Okay. I'm coming a little strong today. All right? I'm coming with some medicine this morning. Yeah? Okay? Because it's time for us as the church to rise up to a greater place of maturity. You know, not just milk. Come on, there are actually meat and potatoes here. There's some things that you've actually got to chew on a little bit. Come on, think about it. When you're you're a baby, you're an infant, all right, it's like... It's all been put through the blender. Open, swallow, clunk, down it goes. No chewing. Get a little older, got some teeth. Yeah, some of the sheep can bite. Some of you know you've got teeth. Okay. Now we're chewing. Now we're actually chewing on things. There's a little bit of work that's involved in getting the nutrients out of the food. There's a whole sermon just in that. Yeah? And so there's, there's this quest that we're on to actually grow up in him. And sometimes we've actually got to chew on a few things that are a little bit 
but it's going to be good for us. So how should we weigh, judge, test, evaluate, hold on to the good and reject the bad? Well, it's in the context of family, the body, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. All right? Okay? And in the family, he has put certain members to function in certain ways. And we know that in the context of the body, in the local church, he set shepherds, elders, to watch over the flock. That's right. And the elders have appointed other leaders to help in that shepherding process. Yes? So when we have a prophetic word, we have something that we've sensed the Lord is saying to us, he's put on our hearts, whatever, where do we go? That's right, we go to our leaders. I'll show you some scripture in a moment. But it amazes me how many people just run off to the Yes Brigade. You go to the people who you know will say yes to your dreams. Yeah, yeah? Or you go to somebody that you knew 20 years ago. Listen, you've moved on and they've moved on. And the person that you were 20 years ago, you're not that person now. And they're speaking to you based on what they knew about you 20 years ago. It amazes me how many people get a prophetic word. They're part of the local body. And they're kind of like, see you later. I'm off to go and test my word with somebody that I'm not actually walking in a committed relationship with right now. I'm going to go and submit myself to somebody else instead of submitting myself to those that the Lord has put over me. I told you it was medicine morning. Listen, if you can't trust your shepherds, then what are you doing in the flock? Big medicine morning. Honestly. Now listen, we know That there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yes. And we all know that there are false shepherds. Yes. But God's intention was for the church to have good shepherds. The default in our thinking and our understanding should be that, you know what, Jesus is building his church. And he is. And he's doing a good job. And he's going to raise up those with spiritual maturity who are going to take care of the flock. The kind of people who are willing to lay down their lives for the flock. Not to lord it over them the way the Gentiles do. Surely the default in the church should be God has placed good and godly leaders for my welfare and my well-being. And I trust them. Because I'm watching their lives and their lifestyle. And I can, oh yes, can follow, can trust. And Lord, if they go skew, you will, you will alert. The whole flock will know. Not just, oh, I'm the only one who can discern. That leader's, oh, 
No, no, no. The flock is going to know this is a false shepherd. It might just be the, the food you ate that gave you indigestion and gave you bad dreams and caused you to think some funny conclusions. Oh, God revealed it to me in a dream. No, no, there was indigestion. Seriously, our default needs to be God has given to the body of Christ good, wholesome shepherds. And if you're not in a place, and I'm speaking to the world out there, but if you're not in a place where you can trust your shepherds, you're in the wrong place. But if you are in the right place, then trust your shepherds. Not because of hierarchy and authority and all that dictatorial stuff, but because you know they've got your well-being at heart. Why? Well, because of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. You know that one? Oh, yes. Hebrews 13 and verse 17 says the following. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Give an account to who? To you? To one another? No, to him. I'm telling you, leadership is not an easy thing. And it amazes me how people kind of go, oh, I want to be a leader. It's kind of like, I did not want to be a leader. Because I saw that verse in James. It says, do not quickly, easily presume to be teachers. Because those who teach will be judged and held to a higher standard. I saw that thing. I said, no, thank you. Where's Jonah? I'm coming with you, but we'll go the other direction. Do you understand? Hmm. give an account to him why he's the head of the church it's his flock we're like the under shepherds he's the chief shepherd so you know if your leaders are messing up who's going to sort them out it's the chief shepherd I mean come on Absolutely amazes me how people in kind of ministry kind of situations think they can get away with stealing money. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing out. Because, I mean, he sees everything. And it's his money. Like, are you really going to get away with it? No, of course not. But even so, you know, there's certain things that you just put in good protocols. Like, I cannot sign for the money I don't have access to the bank accounts it's not my money it's God's money so I'm not going to run away with the money I mean what do leaders do they run away with the money or they run away with the secretary or they run away with the organist it's like that's why we don't have an organ player here 
Daryl's the administrator. I'm not running away with him. I'll tell you that now. Lord will sort out the shepherds. They must give an account. So have confidence in your leaders. Submit to the authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Yeah? See, he's picking up from early in that same chapter. Verse 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. So so are leaders leading you according to biblical principles? Are they leading a life that you can imitate? Well, if you can imitate them, then you can follow their lead and you can submit to the authority. But if you're not comfortable with their way of life, then don't imitate them and don't submit to them. Go and find a leader, a shepherd, who can shepherd you properly. But if they're shepherding you properly, then submit to them. Are Are you getting it? Because there's the positive and then there's the negative. Now, just because there's a bunch of negative doesn't mean that you are excused, if you like, from doing the positive. Well, gee, I've had so many bad experiences of bad leaders. Fine. Then leave bad leaders and go and find a good leader. But go and do what the scriptures tell you to do. Oh, well, I don't submit to anyone. Ooh. Really? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Best you find a good leader and go and imitate them. And then, as we saw in verse 17, have confidence and submit to the authority. What authority is that? It's the authority in the realm of the spirit. Not in their authority to dictate to you how you must live your life. Because that's control. And the only legitimate form of control in the scripture is self-control. Leaders have got no right to control anyone. The only way leaders lead is by setting an example and sharing what the spirit gives and with wisdom to bring influence to bear, but not to control. Any amens on that? Jesus Christ, now we're going to verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, guys, this is a truth that remains. Remember your leaders. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you getting the connection here? I mean, we love that verse and we take it completely out of context all the time. It's written next to some other instructions. And then, don't be carried away, verse 9, by all kinds of strange teachings. Remember your leaders. Jesus is the same. Don't get carried away by strange things. What's the implication? Your leaders are going to help you Protect you from getting carried away with strange kinds of teachings. Oh, I don't need anybody to. I've got me and the Holy Spirit. Eh. 
Wrong answer. According to the scriptures. The scripture says we're placed in the body. We're in the family. And we need each other. Because we see in part and we prophesy in part. And sometimes we've got the piece of the puzzle upside down. Sometimes it's back to front. That's why we need each other to weigh, judge, and test. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I've got my old pal. We go back years, you know, and I always test my, you know, whatever I test with them. Really? Is that what the scripture says? It's like, this is going to be a strange analogy, but imagine the sheep going to the shepherd. You know what? It's really nice that I'm part of this flock and I'm glad that it was added three years ago. You know, because the other shepherd over there was a harsh one and the one before that was a bit, you know, took us into some strange things, whatever. Um, but there's somebody from 20 years ago to tell you. So I know you want to give me this medicine now. I know you want to inoculate me now. But you know what? I'm actually going to, excuse me, I'm just going to go back to this other shepherd from 20 years ago and ask him, should I take the medication or not? But that shepherd doesn't know your diet here. No, 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 no. I, you know, I trust them. No, no, you're not in that flock anymore. You're in this flock. So what is the Lord doing and saying here now? And if you don't like what's happening here and now, God bless you. Go and find that shepherd. And stick with them. How not to grow a church and influence people. (laughs) No, seriously. We need to figure out where does the Lord want us that we might grow and be established. And in the context of the body, He's given to us leaders. Community connect group leaders who are going to help us weigh, judge, and evaluate what the Lord is saying to us. Had a whole series of the scriptures. Oh, my goodness. Hmm? Paul. Gets revelation. This is Paul. He writes two thirds of the New Testament. Galatians chapter 2 tells us about the time. He says, You know what? I went with the revelation and I went to Jerusalem to go and test it. I went to go and submit it to those who were over me in the Lord. This is Paul. It's kind of like, You know what? I just received him. Caught up into the third heaven. I had all this revelation. So, whoa. Go and submit. So, Acts 15 tells us, might not be that exact one, might be a different one, where there's this dispute that's arisen about the teaching and the instruction and whatever. And he goes, and Barnabas, Bonnie and and Paul, (laughs) head off to Jerusalem. And James, who's the, the brother. Now, He's not the stepbrother of Jesus. This is a unique situation. It's the only one of its kind ever. So, 
You're not a stepbrother because there's not really a father. I don't know how this works. Anyway, so the earthly brother, because Mary and Joseph had other kids. Hint, hint, she's no longer the virgin. Hint. James is not one of the 12 or the 11, but he comes to faith. By the time we get to chapter 15, you've got the apostles and you've got the elders. And now you see the elders rising to the place of authority in the local church, not the apostles. And James, who's an elder, is now the senior, he's the lead elder of the church in Jerusalem. And Paul goes and says, listen, and he submits, and they have this, this whole thing going on. And later on, James st- stands up and he says, guys, according to the word, according to the prophets, what you've said lines up with the word. Hey, we've got a principle. We'll come back next week about weighing, judging, and testing prophetic words against the word. This is what James does. He says, hey, the prophet said this, therefore it is this. Testing to the word. Okay? And then the next thing he says, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This is witness in the spirit. This is the way we can weigh, judge, and test. And so submitting... Even if you've had the most amazing revelation and can be the most famous prophetic voice on the planet, you need a way, judge, and test. And it's in the context of the family of God. Elsewhere, in, in Galatians, when he's talking about this whole thing of, of receiving, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. This is in the context of testing a word. You know, if you get a word that makes you sound like, whew, you're going to be the next, fill in the next, who's your hero? You're going to be the, and it starts to do this in your mind. Puff, puff, puffery. The best thing you can do, reach for the handle. If it's going to cause you to be puffed up and full of pride, rather flush it. I don't know how many people I've seen, because they treated the prophetic word like tall, dark, handsome, fortune telling. Where's my tall, dark, handsome? Where's my tall, dark, handsome? Where's my, where's my ministry? Where's my tall, dark, handsome? Where's my ministry? God's promised me a ministry. And you're living your life looking for tall, dark, handsome. Instead of, where's the one I love? And it becomes so useless because they're doing all this. Where, where, where's my ministry? No, no. It's all about him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about him, but where's my position in all about him? 
you can tell I've had enough. When we get those words, I told you last time, I was a tiny little chap, and the Lord dropped in my heart some of the things that I would be about. Years later, happened to be traveling with my dad overseas, it's 1991. Prophetess, we were at this conference prophesying over the international delegates. I mean, I'm in my early 20s and uh, prophesize this, this thing that is like crazy big and one of these things that could, could easily have made my head go it's like, you know what? Put that aside. Lord, let me be about your business. Years later, I'm standing on a stage with internationally recognized ministries in front of thousands of people, and I know that that prophetic word, that that little old lady, and she was little and she was old and she was a lady, (laughs) but that little old lady, Fuchsia Pickett, what she prophesied, what she saw, Listen, when she gave it to me, you don't want this to happen to you. Like she stands in front of me and she just starts bawling. Bawling. I think, oh my God, am I that far gone? I know it sounds funny, but I'm telling you, fear of God. Like, are you bawling over me because I'm like, whatever. And then, and then she gave this word. I didn't understand all of it. The pain of it I came to find out at some point later on. But when I was years later, it was confirmation. Okay, you're in the right place at the right time because this is what he spoke about. But I didn't live my life. Where's my platform? Where's my platform? How can I do? Don't do that. Don't reduce prophetic ministry into Christian fortune telling. Allow prophetic ministry to point us to become more like Him. Cause us to grow up to be more Christ-like. Then we might work on our character and, and, and all the things that displease him. We can live a life that's yielded to him, bring him glory and honor. That's a life that's truly prophetic. That's what we want to chase after. Much more to say. There's a weightiness on what we're saying. But I believe it's because the Lord wants us as a people to go to a higher level of the prophetic. That if he's going to release it like a fire hydrant of prophetic word ministry, then we need to be able to handle what he's going to entrust to us. So let's get things sorted out in our own lives. 
so that then he can actually give to us. So that we will not treat prophecy with contempt. Sometimes contempt is the wrong handling of it. Can be an underemphasis, can be an overemphasis, can be a skew emphasis, can be all these different things. No, we want to handle it well. So, Lord, we want to be a prophetic people. What's a prophetic people? A people who hear his voice, speak words of life, encouragement, and love to other people, and live a life that's an, a walking signpost pointing to him. That's a prophetic people. Amen. Amen. To be continued. Thank you so much. Can I invite you to stand? We pray together. Is that right? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You're the living word. You come to speak into our hearts, our minds by the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit that you're shining light into areas where we've had confusion and darkness and, and there have been all kinds of strange things that we've either believed or done and you're bringing about an alignment to your ways. We ask, Lord, that whatever was John, just <laughs> blow it away. We forget it, ignore it. But wherever of the Spirit let it sit deep in our hearts. Let it be like seed that would take root and, and flourish and bear fruit. We, we really want to go to the next level with you. We want to be like Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We want to be properly positioned to hear your word and to be able to handle what it is that you entrust to us. That we would, we would be good, faithful stewards. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. So help us, Lord, where there have been wrong models, we forgive, we release. If we've suffered from control or whatever it is, we just release we just release. If we're not yet in a place where we can fully trust a shepherd, Lord, either deal with our hearts or put us in the right place where we can. But we want to live right by you and by your word. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So as we go from this place, may there be a profound sense of your nearness, life that flows from you. May we experience it in peace and in joy in your provision and your protection we ask these things in your name and all God's people said amen amen, amen.